God good? Amen. 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 Thank you. You can be seated in the name of Jesus. It's so exciting to have everybody in the house of the Lord today. Welcome to all of our guests for joining us on this Baptism Sunday. This is an exciting day for Spirit of Grace Church. And uh, we're looking forward to what's going to happen here in the next few minutes. And uh, we're excited about being a part of the kingdom of God. Amen. Praise God. Uh, before I get into the word of the Lord today, let me just kind of explain what's going to happen here this afternoon or this morning. I'm going to preach for just a couple of minutes because I want to be able to explain why we baptize and what it's all about. And uh, uh, I believe that it is bigger and deeper than even we understand it. And uh, so I want to share with you what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart. And then at the, towards the end of that message, I'm going to dismiss all of those that would like to be baptized. And uh, we've got some ladies that will be back there. Some of you, I think, already have your shirts that we hand out. But you can get changed, get ready to go. And then at the close of the service, we'll all just join everybody in the vestibule. And we'll have our baptismal ceremony and uh, rejoicing and celebration. Uh, of what God is doing. As of this moment, we have entered into a birthing center. In the next hour or so, a lot of old natures are going to be gone, and a lot of new natures are going to be born. And that's what's exciting. Praise God. Uh, I'm going to be preaching teaching today. I've got a ton of scriptures. I made Elena work out before church, lining them all up. Uh, but I want to read several. I have actually one that I actually didn't give to her that I'm going to start with. Um, but I forgot that the Lord laid on my heart here a minute ago. But before we get to the message, I need to... Just because of the legalities of our bylaws, I need to remind you that next Sunday is our annual business meeting about 10 or 15 minutes after the service. And anybody's welcome to stay for that. There's some requirements to hold a vote. And uh, uh, the bottom line is, is you need to be 18, faithfully attending our church for one year and have been baptized in Jesus' name in order to hold a vote. But everybody's welcome to come. We just kind of share with you the church, what's going on, what has happened in 2020, what's getting ready to happen in 21. It's an exciting time. We actually only have one vote that's going forth, and that's for two of our board seats are open. We've got two nominees, so if you can't be here and you qualify as a member, I have absentee ballots in my office for you. But the two nominees to think about over the next week is Alberta Boyer. And for those of you that don't know who Alberta is, it's Bertie in the back. She's raising her hand there. She's been on the board for several years now. She's up for renomination. And then for a new nomination, uh, that's an uh, old nomination, is Cheryl Perkins. Uh, a lot of you know who Cheryl is. She's been renominated to the board. And just by way of announcement, I don't nominate anybody to the board. Okay, so these are nominees that come from the body of believers that were finalized last Sunday. And so we want to present them to you today. It'll be Cheryl Perkins and Bernie Boyer. And so if you are unable to be in certain the meeting next week and you would like to cast an absentee ballot, you can see me after service. <clears throat> Praise God. And then just a reminder 
that this uh, next Saturday evening, the 20th at 5 p.m., we want to invite all of our couples, married and unmarried couples alike. If you're a couple, we want you to come and be a part of a great evening of food and fellowship, uh, fun and games, and then we're going to share a little bit of the word of the Lord to help the relationships hopefully uh, grow in God. So we want to invite you to be a part of that and uh, looking forward to great things from God. Amen. Amen. Okay, I need some help today, so I'm going to ask Travis and Jason and Darius to come and help me because this way I can embarrass them and not me. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Uh, here's what I need to do. I'll let you sit down for a little while. And so Darius, you can sit here, okay? Uh, we'll take one chair over there. You can point your chair up there, Travis, and sit over there. And uh, let's take all three of these right here. Can I just lift your chair there? Not sure how it goes. There we go. And then Jason, you can lay down right there. That's good. I'm serious. Just don't fall asleep on me now. <laughs> yeah. I'm reading from First Peter chapter three, and then we're going to go through a bunch of scriptures. This wasn't actually on the computer today, but First Peter chapter three. This is in reference, Peter is writing, he's referencing Noah. And uh, he said this in verse 21, and talking about the flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you. Not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience, it is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's, that's why we baptize. Uh, and it's the reason why you'll see we have a tank out there and whoever's going to get baptized is going to go all the way under the water because the word baptize itself means to immerse or dip. Okay? And it is a picture of the flood. And then there's other passages of scripture that it talks about the Red Sea, uh, walking through the Red Sea and across Jordan. And so today, what I want to do is walk you through some scriptures and identify you what baptism is really all about. And I asked these gentlemen to help me because they're going to stand for something. Darius is going to stand for our old nature, our sinful humanity. He's our sinner today. <laughs> he is pre-Christ, which all of us have been at one time or another. Pre-Christ. Jason is the river. He is Jordan. He is the thing that connects our wilderness to our promised land. He's the thing that connects our bondage to our freedom. He's the one that's going to connect the wrath of God to the mercy of God. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, and then Travis is going to represent God. Boy, I don't know what that tells you, Travis, but you get that response. 
I did it because he's got a Vikings jersey on and not a Bears jersey. <laughs> So now I'm reading from John chapter 1, and these scriptures will come up on your screen as well. We've been teaching in our Grace College on Monday nights of John, and it's been wonderful. We're heading into John 3. We're actually one day behind because I could have used that message last week's day. John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it says this in the New Living Translation. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Okay, can I just stop? This is not me saying it. This is the word of the Lord that's saying it, which lets me know in this scripture that the concept of believing and accepting the Lord as your personal Savior is not what makes you a child of God, but it gives you license to become a child of God. Okay? It, it's, it, it, it opens up the doorway. You can't get there without believing. You can't get there without accepting. But that's not the end. That's just the beginning. There's too many people that have made that their end goal to believe and accept. And that's just the opening of the door to get you to where you need to get to in God. God has so much more than just believing and accepting him. In verse number 13, then it goes on to say, they are reborn. By the end of this message, Darius is not going to be the sinner anymore. He's going to be reborn a new creature. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. God is getting ready to rebirth him. Okay? God is getting ready to do something for him to eliminate the old nature and make him connected and in communion with him because after all, that's what was broken in the beginning. In the beginning, Darius could have dwelt right over here with God and they could have had a fellowship and communion in the garden, but because Darius sinned in the garden and it wasn't Darius, it was Adam. And, but because that sin was there, there was a chasm that took place between man and God, and we could not dwell together in communion with God. And so God had a plan, not for us to figure out how to get across over to here, but his plan was that he was going to go over there and get him and bring him back. Okay? Are you following along so far? So now I want to turn over one page to John chapter 3. And show you what Jesus says. Jesus says it. Now this is Jesus talking. This isn't pastor. This isn't a statement of faith from Spirit of Grace Church. This is Jesus talking. It's red letter if you've got that kind of a Bible. And in verse 3, Jesus says this. I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. There is a reason why non-believers or those that may even believe but have not been reborn yet or born again yet, they don't understand the things of God. They can't even see the kingdom of God until you are reborn or the Bible says born again. Now, unfortunately, that term has become a very popular term in Christendom today. You can talk to all kinds of people and they say, oh yeah, I'm a born again Christian. But they don't have any idea what being born again means. Okay? And the word there, again, is really not born again. It means it more accurately would be translated born from above. 
which would tie together with John chapter 1 that gets the power to be born not of a human nature, but of God. And so Jesus is saying, unless you're born from above, unless God does something for you, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven. And then this man says, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants to. Uh, just as you can hear the wind, you can, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Can I just tell you in a few minutes, when people come up from the water, they will be born of the water and of the Spirit. There is going to be a transformation that takes place that's going to make you different from being a sinful individual in a human level, and there's going to be a transformation that's going to carry you from that place over to this place, and you are now going to be somebody that is a spiritual creature that can dwell with God. Does that make sense? Now go back one page earlier to John chapter 1, and starting at verse number 29. The next day, John, this is talking about John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. What was getting, why did John the Baptist baptize? He baptized in order to have Jesus revealed. So John testifies in verse 32, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know that he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Amen. Now, here's in a very quick demonstration what God did to allow us to become like him. Remember I said there is nothing that Darius can do on his own to get where God is. Nothing he can do. And because of God's purity, if you read John chapter 4, God is a spirit. So you have to picture Travis as a spirit right now. You wouldn't be able to actually see him, but he's a spirit right now. Okay, So God in his purity cannot dwell with humanity. Amen. Not because it would make him unclean, but it would consume him. In the Old Testament, Moses said, can I just see your glory? God said, it's impossible. Because it would consume you. It would melt you. But let me do this for you, Moses. Let me cut out a place in the rock. I'll hide you there. And then as I pass by, you can just get a glimpse as I walk by. And you'll just get the tail end of my glory. So God understood, I can't just call Darius over to my side because it would consume him. 
And so in John chapter 3, verse 16, he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now that son, according to John chapter 1, was God become flesh. So here's what God does. I almost tripped. God stands up from his throne in heaven and he comes over here and he sits down next to Darius. And, and, and if you can picture this, as he sits down is the first cries of Jesus in the manger. And in the stall or in the cave or in the stable of Bethlehem, that which was God became a man in order to somewhere down the road take Darius's hand as a man and bring Darius back to where he can dwell with God. So now we've got God sitting there in the man Christ Jesus with Darius, our sinner. Notice how close they are. But yet if Travis goes back to his throne and doesn't make a way for Darius to get there, Darius would still be consumed. Which lets me know you can get awfully close to God, but unless some things happen in your life to transform you into a being that can dwell with you in our deity, that then it doesn't matter how close you can get to him. Okay? So my question was to God, God, if you became a man... And at age 12, you started to teach. And then we can read in Luke, I think it is, that tells us that he started his ministry at the age of 30 and that he was uh, crucified about three and a half years later and rose again. And, and in a lot of churches today, the concept of him getting over here is what's the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And I believe in that. I believe it was the death of Christ on Calvary. It was the burial of Christ in the garden. It was the resurrection and the ascension of Christ in the garden and then obviously ascending to heaven that created the way for you and I to get there. But how did Jesus apply the words that he spoke in John chapter 3 to himself? Because what did Jesus say in John chapter 3 that we read? Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot see or enter into the kingdom of God. So as a man, Jesus Christ got hungry. In fact, as a man, Jesus Christ got tired. Yeah. It says over and over in Scripture, he withdrew himself from the crowd. What does that tell you? That tells you that he grew tired and that he got, he got tired of some people. <laughs> he needed to re-energize. Listen, there's sometimes you just need to withdraw and re-energize. If Jesus did it, we can do it. So how... Does Jesus make a pathway for you and I to get over there? And John reveals it in John 1. He said, when I baptized him in water, and when he came up out of the water, the Spirit came down and stayed on him. Now, I believe Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. 
It was God expressing himself. But the, according to the book of Philippians, he minimized or he put parameters around who he was because he had to, to be submissive as a man because the greatest sin of all time was Adam wanting to become like God, Eve wanting to become like God, Satan wanted to become like God. Jesus couldn't do that. So as a man, he said, I'm not going to go after that even though I have every right to. But I'm going to give you an example and I'm going to be baptized. And so when he is baptized, the Bible says, as he comes up out of the water, the spirit descends and stays on him. Can I just tell you, when you come up out of the water, those of you that are getting ready to be baptized, the spirit is going to come down and stay on you. You are going to be born in the spirit. Now, there is a baptism of the Holy Ghost that's available to you. And when I baptize you today, I want to say I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. And he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost in fact, There is a baptism of the Holy Ghost that Jesus provides that that's going to happen. But you are born in the Spirit when you come up out of the waters of baptism because you take on a new creature. A new nature. So now, if you will, turn over with me to Romans chapter 6. We're going to get Darius out of that place over there in just a minute. <laughs> Romans chapter 6 verse 1 says this. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. But let me stop there. It is so powerful to me to know that God left his throne in heaven because he loved me so much that he came to sit down next to me. He came down to reach me. He didn't leave it up to somebody else to come and grab a hold of me, to save me, to sanctify me. He came and the God of all creation stepped into my life on a personal level. I'm so grateful for that. But that's not the best part. There again, that's only one aspect. His grace is wonderful. And so uh, Paul is identifying this to the saints in Rome. Should we just keep on sinning because that would show more grace? God forbid is what he says. Not, not even so. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Jesus Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? Let me read that again. Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Jesus Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Can I tell you the content, concept of death in the Old Testament and into the New is uh, repentance and sacrifice. When you repent and you say, God, I'm asking you to forgive me for all of my sins, all of my shortcomings. I am placing them on the altar of sacrifice. I am placing them really at the foot of the cross where you died and already paid the, the price, already did the sacrifice. I'm placing them there and I want to follow after you. That's when you died. But then when you're dead, you can't stay dead. You've got to be buried or you're going to get rotten. And so the Lord made a way for us by baptism into Christ. So now look what God is getting ready to do. God has taken the river. God has created a pathway 
for you and I to get right with him, and it's through water. Not magical water. It was the waters of Jordan. Today it's the waters of Coon Rapids. <laughs> but through water, through baptism, like he did with Noah, like he did with Moses, like he did with Joshua when they crossed over from the wilderness into the promised land. All those things he used water to get his people from the place of bondage to the place of hopelessness to the place of, of total degradation into a promised land that flows with milk and honey that righteousness and mercy prevail. In order to get us from that place to that place, he always used water. And so he sets up the water in place. And so when Jesus died, he's buried in the flesh. So now Jesus, come over here and stand right behind uh, the water. <laughs> right behind Jason. Okay, now listen. The Bible says that when he died, he was buried. And while he was buried, he went and took the keys to the death, hell, and the grave. Okay? God never dies, but his humanity did. So here's what happened. I need you to spread your arms as far as you can. Jesus, as he hung on the cross with his arms outspread, his hand was reaching from the sinner and leading to the saints. And he did it through the water. So when you're baptized, you've already repented of your sin and you've died. Now you're a rotting individual dead. But now you are buried with Jesus according to Romans 6. And you are buried in the waters of baptism so that you can be risen on the other side of the river. So Darius, now I'm going to ask you, here's what's going to happen. I know this is just weird, but I'm going to, as the preacher, I'm going to come and take you. Come here. I want you to lay down right down there. Just lay right down on the floor, right there in front of him. I have now buried him in baptism. He's under the waters of what God has ordained from Calvary in order for him to become perfect. So just stay there just for a second. Keep your hands up. Uh, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 says it this way. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true
You see, the Bible says it this way. We were unable to get to God. So God became one of us. And the Bible says that Christ became the mediator between man and God. And as he mediated for us, he used the concept that was from the very beginning of water baptism, of going through the Red Sea, going through the flood, going through the Red Sea, going through Jordan to get to the promise. He used that. And Jesus, if you will, became a bridge over the river to get us through it to the other side. Now, Darius is no longer a sinner. And let me also say this, contrary to my favorite group singing the song, he's not a sinner saved by grace either. The sinner stayed buried. Because in Romans chapter 6, as we were reading, I didn't continue on uh, quite all the way through what I was what, what I was reading out of Romans chapter 6, but he says this, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of God, now we also have new lives. Let me just tell you, those of you that are getting baptized today, when you come through the waters of baptism, all the junk of your past is gone. It died in repentance. It was buried in baptism. You are starting out. That's why I said we entered into a birthing center. You are a brand new baby in Christ. You are spotless. You are pure. Listen, there's not a baby that's ever been born that hasn't been precious. It's, and every time you go to a birthing center and you see no matter how ugly the child is, he's precious in your eyes. <laughs> And no matter how ugly we think we are, we are precious in the eyes of God. But see, it doesn't stop here. I, I want to finish up this message in the next two or three minutes by turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because see, a lot of times we like to skip everything and get to the good stuff. And God has so much good stuff in the midst of the stuff that we want to skip. You see, if you skip all this and you just think, i got to get from there to heaven, you miss all of this. Darius isn't in heaven yet, but he's a new creature. He's been empowered. So now, I don't even know where I started. Verse 29, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If the dead will not be raised, what point is there in people being baptized? If there's no hope of becoming a new creature, why do baptism at all? It's through baptism that we are saved. It's through baptism that we are transformed. It's through baptism that we become spiritual beings in the eyes of God. Why do it unless the dead will someday rise again? And why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? For I swear to your brothers and sisters that I face death daily. 
This is as certain as my pride in what Christ Jesus our Lord has done in you. And what value was there in fighting wild beasts? Those people of Ephesus, even a preacher, thought they were wild beasts. If there will be no resurrection from the dead, and if there is no resurrection, let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. For to your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of the wheat or whatever you are planting. When we buried Darius, we planted a seed, and when the seed came up out of the ground, it was something that the seed was not yet. There is a transformation that takes place, and it doesn't take place unless the seed is buried and dies in the soil. But when you go down in the waters of baptism, we are burying the seed. And when God raises you up out of the water, the seed will begin to bud, and a new creature will begin to take place. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. We're not going to be the same. Darius and I are still different, but we're still children of God because we've both been dead seeds that have been buried and risen again. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh. One kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There's also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars different from each other in their glory. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. Can I just tell you there is a twofold fulfillment to this passage? One is a spiritual fulfillment, and one is a natural fulfillment. The spiritual fulfillment is, is when you are baptized according to scriptures. Here a little bit previously in 1 Corinthians, it's the same thing. We're burying you, you are died, you are dead, and changed and transformed and risen spiritually. But there's coming a day, there's coming a day when the trumpet's going to sound, and that which is mortal will become immortal, that which is corruptible will become incorruptible. It's the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. Can I tell you, when you are a sinner away from God, you are broken down, you are weak and miserable, you are unhappy and unfulfilled. But something begins to happen when you're buried with him in baptism and you attach his name to you when you come up out of the water in 30 some odd years of ministry. I have yet to see one people, one person come out of the water with a frown on their face. Because they're brand spanking new. 
The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, uh, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like this heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. Again, the individual uh, transformation. Darius has become like the heavenly man, just waiting for his call to get home. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death for our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable, always enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. See, there's coming a day. If you read a little bit earlier in chapter 15, the Bible says all will be put under his feet. See, while he grabbed Darius and brought him over, we're still in the, come back over here and be a mediator. We're still in the need for a mediator. We still need Jesus' hands reaching us while we're sinners and transforming us into spiritual beings. We still need that. We need that until the scripture says everything's going to be put under his feet. So here's what's going to happen in that day. I believe it's closer than what we can even imagine. But when the trumpet sounds and he pulls all of us home and he says, come on home, my children, those that have walked through the waters of baptism and, and, and are over here now just waiting to go to heaven. When he says that, here's what's going to happen. God is going to become all in all. And he's going to step forward. And when you and I begin to worship around the throne for all of eternity, we will be looking at Jesus who paid the price for us. And when that happens, there will be no more need for a mediator because we will be in his presence for eternity. Therefore, there will be no more need for a river. So Jason will dry up and go back to his seat. <laughs> But now I want to give you this picture. If the water's not there, and the mediator's not there, it means that we are forever there. There's no way of getting back from here to there once everything's under his feet. We will be forever in eternity with him. That's why baptism. 
baptism is so important. That's why what we're doing today is not just another ritual. It's not just another rite of the church. It's not just another confession of an inward experience. What's getting ready to happen is you that are being baptized are getting ready to step from one nature to another nature, preparing yourself for the ultimate nature in glory. What you're getting ready to do is to bury your old nature and let the transformation of the new nature through the waters of baptism, the mediation of Jesus Christ, to step you into a new experience with God. Now I close with this. Thank you guys, you can be seated. I appreciate it. Good, good God. Good to I said that we still have a need for the mediator. Which means there's still that opportunity to go back and forth of the river. So my warning to you that are being baptized. As you come out, there's going to be a voice back here saying, It's not really real! That's just hocus pocus. That's just a crazy preacher. That's just, you're crazy to just get wet. All you got was a little bit of Coon Rapids water. Why don't you come on back over here? I'll show you a good time. I'll supply everything that you're really looking for. I'll give you all, and they'll be pulling at you. And what you've got to realize is that you are no longer part of that culture anymore. You're no longer a part of that world anymore. That is dead. Why would we go back to dead things? And so what we need to do is on, on this side say, oh, no, it's not. It's as real as it's ever been. I am blood, bought, spirit, born.
Okay? You don't have to cry a hundred tears. You don't have to beat on the floor. The Bible simply says this. If you're faithful to confess your sins, he's faithful to forgive your sins. Repentance is simply a decision that I'm sorry for living in my old nature and I want to live in my new nature. I'm tired of what the world has to offer, God. I want what you have to offer and I'm going to follow you. That's really what repentance is. Because as you make that decision and you vocalize that to God, you are killing your old nature on the altars of repentance. And then in a minute, we're going to bury that old creature. And when you come up out of the water, you're going to be brand new. So would you join me right now in those kind of terms? In your own personal way. I can't do this on your behalf. This has to be between you and the Lord. Just in your own way. It doesn't have to be demonstrative. Just you need to make the, 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 the connection with God right now. Jesus, these people are standing before you. With the desire to be baptized and become new creatures in you. Lord, I stand with them. And I'm asking you to forgive me for all of my sins. And all of my shortcomings. Lord, your word even says to him that knoweth to do good. And doeth it not to him it is sin. So I know we've all sinned. But God, we all want to have a heart to reach to our new nature, to the promised land, God, to that which you have already prepared for us. Lord, for that area or that, that the dimension, God, of living that would release us from the dead things of this world and unite us to the living things of your world. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to lead me and guide me in all things. And Lord, I'm asking you as I become come uh, one with you as I am buried in the waters of baptism and I take on your name and I literally clothe myself in you. Let me experience the power of your spirit like never, ever before. And I commit my way unto you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now here's what I'm going to do. We need to do two things because we have failed miserably the previous ones. We've never gotten a full group picture that I need to have of all of you together. So before we get totally going, I'm going to release you to go and get ready. And Cheryl and Carol, and, and they're back there ready to help you. And then we're going to take all of your pictures together before you're freezing. Okay? Now listen, I, I used to worry about whether the water was cold or whether the air was cold. Until I saw some pictures. One of the early pastors in the early 1900s went under the South Washington Avenue Bridge in the middle of winter with an ice pick in 1906 and cut ice out of it and baptized people in the river. If they can do it, we can do it. The water is warm. The air might be a little cool, but I've had the heat cranking in this building all morning long. So I'm going to dismiss those. That are, everybody else stay right here because I need to have you do something else. But everybody that's going to be baptized, I dismiss you to Cheryl and Carol to get all of your stuff together. And we'll be out to take a picture in just a minute. today.
these dear folks, which by the way, I said we failed, I failed as well. If you were baptized the last time around, I have your certificate in my office. It's only been since September, but I apologize. But I've got them. These dear folks are getting ready to be buried in his name. And it's going to infuriate our enemy. And so it's imperative that the body of Christ rise up on yeah. their behalf yeah. and take up the armor of God, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes prepared for the uh, propagation of the gospel, all prayer and supplication with the sword of the spirit, and just begin to stand in the gap for them. Because, like I said a little bit earlier, there's going to come voices, there's going to become people that will just say, it just really doesn't mean all that much. It just really wasn't real. Yeah, you, you took a bath. Big deal. Okay? I know that because I've heard that my entire ministry of people that have had to deal with that. So I know that that's getting ready to happen. But it will be diminished if the body will rise up. So I'm asking you, if you are willing to support, would you stand to your feet? And I'm asking you just to begin to worship and begin to pray and begin to protect those that are getting ready to be baptized in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.